This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Dumpster Diving. Where we dive all over the internet. The, the dumpster that is the internet. And we find everything that we can to bring to you. Uh, I got another interesting list this week. It is the one... Yeah, this week it's 1,000 fucking uh, favorite lines from uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, n- number one, number 1,000, Mike. No sir, for you! <laughs> That'd be higher, I think, on the list, right? For, for Seinfeld fans? I guess. I mean, I know that line. I don't watch the show. This... No, this... I, I've decided so when so a lot of times when we do those the long long lists, it basically just turns into very long. <laughs> it just turns into me listing things and then Mike giving a sentence or two about it, and then we just like keep rolling on with that. And it's not fun. I want to have an actual conversation, so I purposely looked for a smaller list. I was thinking about doing top ten, but I was like, what can I find that's a good top five? And I found one. That's good for us, and it actually ties into something that's happening. So AMC is having a, a Better Call Saul. Top five riots. <laughs> a, better, a Better Call Saul. <laughs> Number five, Watts. Um, <laughs> no, oh, it's way up there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's probably number one. Number five would be would be what? No, no, no. Rome burning is number one. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but AMC is having a marathon of season five of Better Call Saul and that Bob Odenkirk's hosting. I think Rhea Seahorn's going to be there, some other special guests and some obvious they're calling in and all that stuff. But I found a top five best Better Call Saul episodes list. This is from a uh, showbiz cheat sheet dot com so, or cheat just cheat sheet dot com. But this is showbiz cheat sheet. So, Mike. Uh, according to this, the final season is scheduled to come out in 2021, which is sad, but also good that they're not going to drag it on, just like with Breaking Bad. I mean, Vince Gilligan, I, I absolutely trust him to bring us the best and to know when to end it. Right. So this is based on, as they they, they say in here, they, they cop out on this, okay? Because this is just a list. This is not... They didn't put any work into this at all. This is as voted on by IMDb. So they didn't they didn't choose these. We this, all know what a bunch of geniuses are over IMDb. Right. So I it's it's maybe a little bit less interesting, but I figured we could we could go through it and talk about it a little bit. So number five, the fifth highest episode is season five, episode six, Wexler v. Goodman. Uh, and I'll just read you a little bit of what it says. Deep into the fifth season of the show, writers turned up the drama on this episode that features Kim trying to shut down Jimmy's scheme on Mesa Verde and him going against her wishes. Uh, when Jimmy arrives at the meeting with Kevin and Paige, plus Kim's boss, Rich, he doesn't offer to settle the case. He shows the ridiculous commercial he spent the previous episode producing and infuriates Kim by blackmailing her clients. So, uh, what do you think? I, I mean, I remember the episode, obviously. What uh, What do you think? Yeah, I, I looked at that episode. It was very good. It was actually the first time uh, I think Kim really kind of gets an inkling of like how truly bad of a person uh, Saul is willing to become. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy, if you prefer. 
Right. And it was a, a lot of good acting in this one. Uh, got Kevin, I can't remember the guy who plays Kevin. He like, looked legitimately flabbergasted, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, about this entire meeting. I, I think guy who plays him does really. He's like a very nice and amiable, but like you're like a backbone of steel kind of like you know. I'm a rich guy. I'm gonna get what I want regardless. You know, push his way through everything, and then this just ridiculous like scenario coming before him is just like almost like he couldn't comprehend it ever actually existing. Yeah, no, I I agree. The one thing I think is sort of. <sighs> I don't know if I want to say it's off, but I don't know that it necessarily exactly fits. I remember Carol and I watching this, and at the end, at the end of this episode, both of us going, "What? What is going on?" Like because she comes, like Kim, you know, comes home, she absolutely rails against Jimmy and and, and talks about, uh, you know, like how irresponsible he is, all this stuff. It looks like she's going to break up with him. And then she ends it by saying, or we could get married. <laughs> and I mean, I, you know, I get Wait, what it, Yeah, I, that was definitely a, a twist, but I don't know that it made a lot of sense with, uh, so I think obviously, uh, shit, what's her name? Kim Wexler was a very well-written character mm-hmm, and yeah. well-performed. Um, yeah, she definitely has like a, like, there's like some like little, like, you know, like she likes the bad, bad part of Jimmy and like mm-hmm. her doing bad things too, because she has a very strict, like, regimen of how she lives her life. Yeah. Yeah, she she likes the freeing part of it. And, uh, yeah, the, there's something about Jimmy she cannot, she can't resist. I feel like maybe what they were saying, or, or maybe what they were intending is, she came into that scene, she came into there, to the, their house, with the full intention of breaking up with him. With the full intention of just being like, you know, fuck this, you know, I'm I'm absolutely done with this kind of thing. And then in the middle of her rant against him, seeing his face, she's just like, I can't do it. I can't break up with him. And then she came up with this other idea of how things could go. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense to her in a lot of ways. You know, obviously she has like the immunity from testifying against her husband, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I suppose in a lot of ways it would prevent preclude them from you know appearing on the same. In fact, I think that's what they do with this is they can't both appear. You know, since they're married, there's a definite conflict of interest, and so she has to drop the case. Yeah. Uh so now number four, season four, episode ten, winner. Uh this this episode is it. Uh, Lalo is hot on Gus Fring's tail trying to figure out what he's up to while Fring is trying to covertly build his own meth super lab. V- Werner Sigler, the engineer Fring hired to help him do it, just wants to go home and see his wife. He escapes Fring's watchful gaze, and Fring retaliates by having Mike kill Werner. So this is number four on the list. Another good episode, for sure. Um, This one explores, uh, well, not necessarily explores, but this one kind of it brings mike over to you know pretty much the mike that we see at the beginning of breaking bad sure yeah he's definitely you know he realizes that you know you can't be weak and you know you know the way you treat these people i mean you you're you're doing a job there's rules he's a professional he plays by the rules people who don't play by the rules will get someone killed so that's why he you know he's he just basically fully adopts this like code of like okay i'll do what I'm supposed to, I'll be a man of my word. I'll be honorable because someone has to be in this, you know. And and really, Gus Fring in general, his whole organization is relatively honorable. Mm-hmm. So now they're dealing with the Salamancas. I believe this is when they like uh, 
they let them take shipments when they're like dr- doing drops at like certain like you know parts on a road and that kind of stuff. Yep. This is also the episode where at the end of the episode, uh, Jimmy goes in front of the board and he gets his law license back. He he you know he um starts to feign emotion about Chuck dying and and all that stuff and. And then, you know, Kim gets the wind taken out of her sails when she realizes it was an, all an act. And also he wants to legally change his name to Saul Goodman. Yeah. It was completely obliterating any connection he had to the McGill name or, you know, franchise or Howard and, you know, all those mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And and it's, I believe it's the last episode of season four, season four finale. So, so definitely a strong. It's, it's very, I mean, in the cinematography at the end when Mike shoots uh, the German guy, wow, that is so yeah. great. And also... There's a there's quite a bit of twisting going because there's a certain German guy that you think he's going to have to you know deal with, and it turns out the one he, the the leader, the one who's like the you know the, his he's bonded with the most is the one that really is a big fuck up. Yeah. See, so number three is season three. I guess being an illegal tunnel uh, digger isn't all it's cracked up to be, <laughs> right? How do you fall into that line all work? I have no and idea. Like, me and my buddies, we're really good at construction, and also we don't really care about legalities. Right. What do you got for us? We're the best in the business, but we, we prefer to work for the CD underbelly. Right. Less taxes that way. <laughs> uh, number three is season three, episode five, Chicanery. Uh, it says the oldest episode that still gets a lot of attention is unforgettable. In chicanery, Chuck is forced to testify against Jimmy at a hearing, but nothing goes to plan. For one thing, Jimmy oh, has... Oh, yeah, this is a great episode. Yeah, has his employee, Huel Babineau, slip a cell phone battery into Chuck's pocket, seemingly disproving his EHS symptoms. Is this also the episode where Jimmy has uh, has transposed the numbers on all his pleadings? Yes. And it just drives him insane. And I don't remember if this is also the same one where he realized that Jimmy did this. But yeah, this is a it, it, it's it, it's so crazy. This this has been going on for five seasons. It seems like so much has happened. I mean, we we had Chuck for like the first three seasons, mm-hmm. brilliantly played by Michael McKeon, and is he suddenly? And then we have Lalo in his place, and Lalo. I didn't like it, but wow, he is a great villain. I mean, there's just so yeah. much going on in this. It's 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 just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's that's a great episode. And then. You know, Chuck. Yeah, he, he knows to fuck with Chuck in like the most insidious way because mm-hmm. Chuck is a perfectionist and like that tiny little thing that's perfectly transposed on every single thing. It just drives him insane. And Chuck like breaks down at the stand and just fucking like just ra- like rails against Jimmy and everyone kind of like looks at him because like he just he revealed all his hate for Jimmy right there. Again, a reminder that uh, Chuck was the one who didn't want him to work at Hamlin and Hamlin, not uh, not what's his name, Charles. Um, no. Uh, Adam. What is his name? It's it's Hamlin. Deuce loosely. <laughs> it's Hamlin. But I can't think of his first name for some Hamlin-ton? reason. Hamlinton. I thought it was Charles, but I could be wrong. No, it's Charles McGill. Chuck mm. Charles McGill. And then I don't know Adam Hamlin, Alexander Hamlinton. That's what I thought it was. Right. Uh, season five. This is number two. Season five, episode eight, Bagman. That's the uh, you know that's the one where he's go- where he goes to the desert and uh, gets the. Oh yeah, 7 yeah. Million. That's a that's a ver- that's a very good episode. Yeah. 
Um, it's a. Uh, I would. I, I would be shocked if the last episode, the number one, was also in season five. But yeah, this was. I, I think Bob Odenkirk described it as like the most like you know hardest like physical like job he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Which uh, eh, it shows that he's been acting a lot. Right. Um, yeah, this is a great episode. It's him and uh, Mike. There's some like nice violence, but it's a very western type episode. Them like mm-hmm. walking through very long stretches of the desert. Uh, you know, you see um, them having to stay the night. And Mike is, you know, of course, 100 percent prepared because why would he not be? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a nice. Sh- there's a shootout at the beginning. Um, at the end, uh, Jimmy, like you know, almost like gets hit by a car in order to draw him out to be killed by Mike. It's 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 a very it's a very cool episode. I, I like it. It's almost like a bottle episode, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But I mean, it, it's it, it doesn't really. It could just be you could just watch this episode, and not know what's going on. It's still like a very nice miniature type movie because it, it's actually two parters. I think that kind of like you know reflect each other. Yeah, yeah. It and this this is uh, directed by Vince Gilligan, who didn't direct a ton of uh, the Better Call Saul episodes, but did direct uh, you know a good amount of the. Uh, Breaking Bad ones, and it, it feels uh, it feels the most Breaking Bad ish. I think of the episodes. Oh yeah, this could easily be an episode where Walt and Jesse uh, run out of gas or destroy the battery of the RV, and mm-hmm. you know, they need to get, figure out a way to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I like the I like the aesthetic of it. It's funny the but Breaking Bad was supposed to originally take place in California, and the cost of shooting on location in California was too expensive. So they decided to move it to New Mexico where Mark Marin. Yeah. Where it was, you know, the, the cost of shooting was, was lower because it's all supplemented by Mark Marin. Right. Mark Marin complained so much that he gets uh, fined, you know, so much every time and then goes to the film board. Exactly. But it's so it's, I mean, it was, it's a blessing. It's too small. (laughs) It's a blessing in disguise because Vince Gilligan uses the desert and the desolation of the desert so well in, in you know, several in more episodes of Breaking Bad than in, than in this, because Better Call Saul is, you know, more of a, you know, it's in the city kind of an episode. But I mean, the desert almost has a personality uh, in certain parts of Breaking Bad, and, and definitely in this episode. And yeah, as we mentioned earlier too, in the episode where he uh, kills a German foreman, it's like you know, it's like wow, it's such a beautifully like stark, you know, mm-hmm. well shot scene. It's like you could almost like freeze an image of it, and make a painting of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, number one, you correctly pointed out that it is another season five episode. Season, yeah, I guess which one? Yeah, go ahead. I'm guessing it's the last episode. Uh, it's actually the second to last episode. Oh, what happens to the second to last episode? I don't remember exactly. Well, this is, it's a uh, bad choice road. So it says uh, the penultimate episode of season five shows Mike and Jimmy return from their long journey through the desert. Jimmy has a hard time readjusting to being back home and has frequent instances of PTSD. He tells Kim that nothing really happened to the desert, but she knows he's lying. Based yeah, she says there's a bullet hole in his world's second best lawyer cup, I think. Right. But it's the last scene that's the most chilling that producers front the producers front loaded all the commercials so the final 16 minutes of the episode could air without a break. In that scene, Lalo arrives at Kim and Jimmy's apartment to confront Jimmy about what really happened when he picked up the bail money. 
Mike watches from across the street through the scope of his sniper rifle. The tension is palpable. Kim faces down Lalo and somehow convinces him to leave without incident. The episode received an incredible 9.8 rating on IMDb. So it's that yeah, one that That ends. is a crazy yeah. tense episode. Yeah, that's that's a great episode. And that that the the whole thing is the whole episode is great because as they said it's, you know, there's the Instances of PTSD. I think he talks to Mike in this episode and basically says, "Hey, when, when, um, you know, when can uh, I expect this to go away?" And Mike kind of gives him, you know, some some idea of when he can expect it. As my wife pointed out, it's not technically PTSD; it's just trauma because it's uh, it, it's not uh, it's only post traumatic stress disorder. I think she said six months after the incident or something like that, because that, that that's when it's an actual disorder. Uh, up until then, it's pretty normal to, to feel trauma based on uh, these sure. things. Yeah, a lot of that stuff has like a good time limit on it. You know, after a certain point, mm-hmm. if it's, you're still doing it, then you are depressed. You're right. But, uh, but yeah, great episode. And that, that last bit where Lalo comes in, asks him to tell the story. He tells it, asks him to tell him again. Tell me again. Why don't you tell me again? And Mike's there, you know, just waiting to blow him away. It, it's oh my god, it's so good. It's it's which ex- would be so difficult for so many reasons. Oh yeah, and and this this um, you know, this episode. I think it, it just it shows that Vince Gilligan is so good at knowing exactly how to get every ounce of tension out of an episode. He is like, like he's a master of suspense. Like it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That last episode, uh, which didn't make the list and I'm kind of actually, I'm, I mean, I understand, I get it. Uh, and there's probably a better, because of it, there's probably a better, um, you know, mix of seasons in this top five, but that last episode is really good too. With uh, you know, with Lalo, uh, yeah, Lalo probably like you know making out ahead with the uh, the crack, you know, hit squad snap after him, mm-hmm. knowing and knowing that um, that uh, Nacho is the one that uh, that set him up, you know, like figuring that stuff out. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But it's hard to find just five episodes of Better Call Saul that, you know, like, are there any, is there any episode that you can think of that you might uh, put in your top five in place of one of these? See, it's it's hard because there's so many good episodes. I like a lot of the heist ones. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones where they're just, like, doing these elaborate schemes and that kind of stuff. Those are always fun. Yeah. Um, like it's, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one of those. Like it's like, where they like basically have all these people calling on the phone line to try and get Huel, like, you know, like, Oh, he's such a good, like there's like a, a grassroots campaign to, to save Huel, but it's really just Jimmy doing it in like a, like a room closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I don't know if I would necessarily put it into the top five or not. But I think a good honorable mention is the episode where he goes back to Chicago and he he's like running all those schemes with his old buddy. Um, yeah, where he tells the woman he's Kevin Costner. Yeah, and it's the first time that we hear him say Saul Goodman and and all that stuff. 
and you know his buddy ends up dying it, like it, it really it's a great episode because it gives us just so much about Jimmy and you know eventually saw as a character and what goes into to him and the things that he's been through where he came from why he gets changed and and, and what he eventually evolves into and for that reason I, you know I I at, at least an honorable mention, like I said. And I think that's maybe a season two episode. Could be. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good episodes, you know, obviously. But yeah, that is uh, that is the list. So you got any uh, anything else for us, Mike? Oh, I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but um, what about, uh, did we ever talk about how Chris D'Elia was uh, gotten into some trouble as they like to say oh i've yeah i heard a little bit about this no we we have not mentioned it do you want to uh let the people know what uh what he's done well apparently he was like uh sending like messages on i don't know instagram or something to some uh, underage uh, girls mm-hmm. like supposedly in two of them he like backed off when he found out their age but in the other one he kind of like kept going but I, I didn't really see these myself um not a Crystalia fan, so if it's true, it just it just puts a, a bounce in my step and a song in my heart. <laughs> I mean, but if it, I mean, obviously, if it's if it's not true, I, I don't, even if I don't like the person, I don't want him to be you know like wrongfully accused of something. But it's kind of weird. He's kind of like he kind of looks like that kind of person. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, actually, he even played a pedophile on uh, Workaholics. It's funny too because sometimes there is you know there's an evolutionary thing to this. Uh, it's not just like, you know, like mysterious intuition or whatever. There's a, there's an evolutionary, I don't know what we're picking up on exactly, but there's an evolutionary component to this. Sometimes you look at a person and you're just like, ooh, I don't, I don't like that person. Like there's something about that person that really, that really rubs me the wrong way. And uh, he's always been kind of one of those people to me for whatever reason. And I've, and I've never thought he was funny. But yeah, according to page six, uh, a slew of women have been making claims online that he's asked for nude pictures. And in some of the cases, they were underage. uh, And one claimed that he had exposed his erect penis to her in a hotel room. Well, at least it was erect. I mean, that's got to be flattering, right? Like if I hope so, if he if he if he unveiled it and it was not if it was flaccid, I mean, that, you know. That's got to be a blow to the ego. What if it's so impressive? Like, wow, that's even better. <laughs> but yeah, apparently... Uh, having an impressive flaccid is even more impressive than having an impressive uh, non-flaccid, is it not? That's true. No, that, I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely the case. But apparently uh, CAA has dropped him. Uh, it says fired by his CAA agent. Uh, I, that should really be the other other way around, though. Yeah, it doesn't uh, really make sense. Agents, because people hire agents, not the other way around. You've just released him as a client. You don't want to work for him anymore. So you've quit. Right. Um, but um, And apparently his managers pulled a number of his shows from uh, streaming sites. Uh, let's see. Let's see. He was Whitney's Cummings boyfriend in Whitney. Never saw it. Uh, nope. But you know we'll see what uh, what he has to say about it. I guess he, they they said that um, like you said they released a thing that said that he that showed an email that showed him asking her age, and she replied twelve apparently kidding, 
and then and then uh she responded that she's really uh t- she responded 24 with a question mark <laughs> uh-uh. and he said isn't pedophile an awfully big word for a 12 year old <laughs> um and then uh and then he, he released another email that said uh you know she's like this girl said she's six and he said oh shit i thought you were at my stand-up and then you know, he's like, you got to be 18 to get in that. My bad. Bye. Um, so it's not like he's actively denying the, this stuff. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but well, actually, I, I'm sure you're not aware of it. There, There's this thing online, a uh, YouTube channel called uh, Screen Junkies. And a, there's a guy named Andy Signore that used to run it. And he got in trouble for similar ish things where he was married and he basically uh like was pressuring fans into sleeping with him and stuff like that like sexually harassing fans and a bunch of these emails came out it, it also turned out that apparently he was sexually harassing women that he worked with as well and he ended up getting let go it reminds me uh, a lot of that situation where it's I mean, the, but there, I, as far as I, as far as I know, there was no underage aspect to that situation. So if that's true, that's even more insidious. Right. But yeah, I mean, fuck that guy. Um, unless he didn't do it, in which case I hope he gets cleared of the charges, but still fuck him. Cause I don't, I don't like him. Yeah, I don't find him funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's our episode for the week. Uh, why don't you send us some mail at massivelatefee@gmail.com? You can check out our Patreon if you want uh, at massivelatefee on Twitter. Go to Facebook, do all that stuff. Uh, you know, here. Leave a like. What do you got against it? Yeah, you like content, so do we. Leave a like. Hate myself. That's exactly how I feel every time I fucking do that. Um, that that's Yahoo serious. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Or I was that, that's uh, an Asgardian. Uh, but we hey will... there. It's me, him, though. <laughs> Australian for vagina. <laughs> or San Francisco for vagina. Hey, that's a, that's a San Francisco joke. All right. <laughs> All right, we will see you uh, next time. Bye. See you next time.